So my friend, Dr. Greg Richards, a dentist out there on my committee since last year, and uh, he's promised to stay in touch, and he ordered my book right in front of me, and, and uh, but anyway, he's an awesome guy, and he's a, he's a dentist here in town, he's really funny, but he's always telling me jokes, and I said, I'm going to... I'm going to try to remember one of your jokes for Sunday. But he, he said, oh, okay. Well, I've got another one for you. He told me he was 20. But <laughs> this, guy, this guy goes to visit a, a monastery. And they take him around, show him around. And they see this one, one monk. He's, he's back there. He's, uh, he's frying the potatoes for, for uh, making potato chips. And... Uh, and he, he says, uh, he thought he'd be funny. He says, oh, are you the fryer? <laughs> he said, no, I'm the chipmunk. <laughs> I told him, well, no, you know, I'm trying to, you know, we try to make sure that people understand that, you know, we, we're not against anybody, but I really come against religion hard because I don't want people to be, tricked and trapped into some of this nonsense because uh, religion yeah. make people do stupid things. He goes, okay, I got one for you. <laughs> he said, this guy, you know, he, he joined the monastery. He became a monk. He said, you can only say two words every ten years. He said, so after ten years, he goes into the who's the chief monk? The, the uh, what do they call those guys? The abbot, you know. He goes before the abbot and he says, son, what would you like to say? And he says, I'm cold. He says, all right. And uh, he arranged for him to get another blanket. Ten years later, he goes before him again. He says, son, what would you like to say? He says, I'm hungry. So, okay. And he arranged for him to have more food. <laughs> After another ten years, he went before him again. He says, what would you like to say? And he says, I'm leaving. <laughs> and the abbot said, well, I'm not surprised. All you've done is complain ever since you got here. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day that we have to come and worship you here in this controlled environment with a roof over our heads and warm and dry and thank you lord for loving us lord we just lift up all those in the uk and in russia and we're just praying for the peace yes. in their midst and supernatural testimonies coming out of it like never before just beautiful stories of your love and compassion and unity and both sides rising up for peace, Lord. And we just thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you for your anointing, for your healing power. Healing us everywhere we hurt, spirit, soul, and body. And that's all part of our inheritance as your children of God. Help us to embrace our identity in you. And thank you for your love, Lord, and for using me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well... There's a, I, uh, I, I think last week I ended with a, a quote from a William Booth. He said, the chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. So, we're trying to 
point out the fact that uh, the truth of God's word is foundational. It's not optional. It's uh, it's what everything is supposed to be based upon and founded upon. Jesus Himself is the Word made flesh. Amen. Amen. So you can't you can't get rid of this. You can't get rid of this Bible. You can't change it. You can't. It doesn't evolve. Uh, okay, God's not changing and adapting to us. Amen. Amen. And I tell you, the problem with the new normals is they keep getting worse. The normals keep getting further and further from God. And that's not acceptable. Uh, Jesus said in uh, John chapter 8, I risk going over there for a moment because I I love this chapter. Um, But maybe we should. John chapter 8 and... uh, Everybody loves verse 31. Uh, in John chapter 8. I should have written it down for time, but I tell me when I find it. Okay. Um, well, everyone loves verse 32. But starting at verse 31, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, if you remain in my word, if you stay in my word, you are truly my disciples. Now, didn't wasn't, wasn't the Great Commission go into all the world and create converts? No. Disciples, right? Amen. Then you're truly my disciples if you abide, if you remain, if you stay in my word, and you will know that then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, everybody loves that verse 32, the truth will set you free. Well, what what is it what what would we say before that? If you abide in my word, it's the word of God remaining in you that causes you to know the truth, and that's the truth that will set you free. People use that to try to get people to be honest. (laughs) Truth sets free. He's like, yeah, practice what you preach. Okay. (laughs) But he goes on in in this. I'm not going to do it because I'll stay in here. Read this chapter. Because I told you last week that Jesus puts his truth above relationship. And everybody's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Aren't we supposed to just love? And we talked about the fact that this is love everybody. Can't we all just get... That doesn't work with God. And you see, if you read chapter 8 of John, you'll see. Because he, he, he just told people stuff that based on God's truth, and he didn't think anything of it. He wasn't a bur- worried about... You know, sending out uh, a tweet that would hurt someone's delicate sensibilities. Now, of course, he was God and he never intended to hurt anyone. So let me qualify that. But he always just based it on the truth. And if that if that was offensive, then that meant he was offensive because he is the truth. He's the way, the truth and the lie. He's the only way you can come to the Father. So if you're offended by that, then, you, then, then you've hit a roadblock. You see? He hasn't done anything wrong. And he sat here and told these guys, <laughs> he said, you, you're... Let me just give you an example. Um, 
he told these guys they were of the devil. And they were the, the teachers of the law. They were the leaders of the, the Hebrew people. You know, and he told them here, um, okay, so right after this, right after this, the scriptures, that I, okay, let's just start at 33, because the truth will set you free. Okay, so 33, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. So until you come to know him, you're not going to be free. Until you embrace his truth, you're you're still a slave to Satan, to to sin, to that sin nature. Amen. So he says, I know that you're offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. You see? If my word's offensive to you and you still, you know, if that angers you, then you still got a problem in your relationship, you know, vertical relationship. And if you've got a problem in your vertical relationship, it's going to affect your, your horizontal relationships. I speak of what I have seen with my father. And you do what you have heard from your father. And they're like, What? They answered him, Abraham's our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the things Abraham did. What did he do? He wasn't always perfect, but he, he believed God, didn't he? Amen. He heard the word of God and he embraced it. And, but, but now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. That's not what Abraham did. You're doing the works your father did. He keeps saying this. And watch this. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one Father, even God. And here he he comes. (laughs) Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you can't bear to hear my word. You are of your Father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Okay. See, these are the things that the ones who claim to love Jesus and let's all just love one another and Every religion and denomination and this and that and the other is fine and you can choose to do, you know, hey, que sera, sera. Leave them alone, let them be. Love them, but the truth is what sets you free. You know? Nevertheless, I I was just talking about God's truth, right? There are lots of laws that govern our lives. This is what I want to get at. Laws put in place by God. There are spiritual laws. There are natural laws. And they all come with basically a promise. A promise of provision and or warning, right? Of danger. So the natural laws and the spiritual laws, we understand 
a lot of the natural laws. I use the example of electricity or gravity for people to understand. So gravity is one. It's a, it's a law that God put in place, right? I mean, if it's scientific and all that, we don't have to understand the, the math of it, but we know what it is. It's what keeps our feet planted on this ground and keeps us from floating off into space. So it's a good thing, basically, wouldn't you agree? But it can be very dangerous if we abuse it and don't learn how to cooperate with it. We don't walk off of a four-story building expecting God to intervene and then blame God, you know, when he doesn't, right? So, the same thing. Gravity is good, but we have to learn to cooperate. And the same thing with all the spiritual laws that God has in place. They're actually more real or just as real as anything else that we know as far as natural laws go. So we have to learn to we'll find out what they are through the Word, learn to cooperate and agree so that we can benefit from them. That's God's goal, not to harm us, but to help us, right? That's why we have to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how peace is multiplied in our lives, amen, through knowledge, not just book knowledge, but knowledge of Jesus and that knowledge is an intimate knowing or a relationship. That's the, that's the definition of eternal life according to John 17, 3. That we know God the same way Adam and Eve knew one another and had a child. It, it's a passionate relation, an intimate relationship. Don't get crazy. I don't know why I, don't know why I had to qualify that. Jesus, so it's all throughout the Old Testament, but everything is in type and shadow. You know, the, the seed, will, everything is in seed form and so forth. And we see that in the opening pages of the Bible. But Jesus introduced spiritual laws. He started talking about them. He's the one that introduced them to us in the New Covenant. And he said, he said uh, the first of three times that he mentioned this one particular law, a specific spiritual law, and, and this one is a key to a successful relationship, a meaningful relationship with the Lord. And it was in Matthew chapter 23, uh, verse 12, the first of three times that he mentioned it, and it says simply, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And the other side of the corn, whoever humbles himself will be exalted or lifted up. With God, the way up is down. And the way down is up. The responsibility is ours, though, you see. We have a part to play. We always talk about the relational issues of our Christian life. It's not one-sided. It's not whatever happened is God. And Boy, you should hear some of the theology I hear from people. And I just feel for them. And sometimes God just says, don't say anything. Not right now. You just start an argument. Other times, they give me a window of opportunity to sort of get the truth in there that will help them. But people have been taught, and, and even if they haven't been taught wrong, they have reasoned it out for themselves, and it's not within man to direct his own steps. We'll screw it up every time. God's ways are not our ways. He doesn't think like we think. We can come closer to that 
through this with the help of the Holy Spirit. Folks online, I'm holding my Bible up when I say things like that. I'm trying to remember. I go back and listen. and I, I said something last week I wanted to correct. Never mind. I can't remember right now. I go back and listen. I'm like, I wonder if they heard that. That's wrong. That's messed up. That's not what I meant to say. It's okay. I say, Lord, help them spit out the bones. Just eat the flesh, right? <laughs> Three times he said it. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So here's the key. Humility is not in the area of our emotions. This helped me. This will help you too. If, it, if you don't already, if you're not already walking humbly in every area of your life. So to those of you that are, forgive us that haven't caught up with you yet. <laughs> but humility is not in our emotions. It's not a feeling. We need to, matter of fact, I encourage you to quit trying to feel more humble. Because it's going to mess you up. It makes you introspective to the point that you get your mind off of God and you become more self-centered, actually. You know, as much as that guy that comes in, he's the know-it-all, the loudest guy in the room, he has an answer to everything, even if he, he wasn't the one they were talking to, you know, you, you know that that guy's in, in walking in pride and he's self-centered. But you know the person that can't even, the shyest person in the room that can't even look you in the eye, that, that's also pride and self-centeredness? I'm not picking on anyone. I mean, but it is. It is. <laughs> oh, well, it's another message. <laughs> Humility is a matter of our free will, is the point. It's a choice. We have to put it on. There's a scripture that talks about putting it on. And if you get really to the literal translation, they're referring to a type of a, a, a robe or uh, that was uh, or a uh, apron that was worn only by slaves during biblical times, and and the, and he just used that analogy because it was something that people understood. But putting it on like a garment of servanthood, you know, it's a choice. In other words, that's what I'm saying. It's a matter of our free will. You see, and so it's a decision, and it it's expressed in our actions. So clothe ourselves with humility. There's a scripture, James 4.10, and it says the same thing. Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will exalt you. You see? And 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. Peter says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to your elders. See, that's... You're all going, wow. That doesn't fly anymore that's old-fashioned how many kids do you know these days that even say even consider saying yes sir no ma'am yeah well you can make it happen and i i applaud those that do but i don't see it that much i don't see you know i don't see it much clothe yourselves 
All of you, with humility, this is the scripture I was talking to, and if you search it out, you'll see what I'm talking about. With humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, He may exalt you. See, there's a, there's a promises in here. You, you say that, you claim that, you say, okay, I'm going to put this on. I'm going to make this my own. I'm going to choose to humble myself knowing and expecting God to exalt me His way in His time. You see, And that's the promise. He, he, he delights in the prosperity of His servants, you see, of His children. Isn't it that He wants us abased and and walked upon but if you really died to yourself as we're called to do I can walk all over you <laughs> you're dead what do you care you see what I'm saying <laughs> promise though is God ain't gonna leave you there and if you'll let him fight those battles for you, pretty soon you'll see yourself in situations where you have, you're like, you know, I'm doing the same thing. I'm all, I've always been the same when I was, uh, when I was making barely enough to feed my family, you know, or nobody around here would talk to me or Whatever situation in your work and your relationships and all in the world that you can think of, I haven't changed anything, but now here I am. I have all, I'm surrounded by the favor of the Lord. And it's not me. And that's what He wants you to see and to say and, and know. Because without Him, you know, all He's got to go is, we can't even walk across that floor. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, verses 2 and through 3, the Lord said, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. He's talking about, he's giving instructions to the, the Israelites after he had brought them up and, and out of bondage and into the wilderness and preparing them to bring them into the, the promised land. He says, You shall remember me. I've led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So after bringing them up out of bondage, he had to deal with their pride. Now, he showed them the fact that they were totally dependent upon him. But, you know, a lot of them still never really humbled themselves. And he showed them time. I mean, they had seen wonderful things that he did just to get them out of the situation they were in. And then he continued to be faithful even as they weren't and just really just irritated him. (laughs) 
And we look at them and like, oh, yeah, how, you know, golly, after he did all that, I wouldn't have done that. Well, don't be so sure. Don't be so sure. Thank, just thank God for Jesus. <laughs> Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 14. Verses 7 through 11. And he talks about this. It's a, it's a, a familiar passage. The parable of the wedding feast. <clears throat> One of them. Starting in the 7th verse of Luke chapter 14. It says, Now he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed how they chose the places of honor. So Jesus is sitting around. He, he sees... He sees what's going on at this wedding feast, right? And he sees, he's watching the people as they come in. And he's, he's seeing, he's watching their choices, their, their motives. He's, he, he knows everything about them. He, so he told this parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you're invited to, by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him, and, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then they'll begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Okay, so, <laughs> you know, when I was uh, young in the ministry, I, uh, we used to go all over the country. And they were... Um, I was ordained in a lot of places in different situations and ministries and uh, and we just the Lord was really showing me the body of Christ. But anyway, I, uh, sometimes I would travel with this this one minister. He was uh, an evangelist and uh, he's he's uh, <laughs> he's one that uh, is uh, his old pastor here in town of a really big church. He 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 tells a story about this guy. He says. Man, he, he really is called to you as an evangelist. He said he brought personally, I guarantee you, 4,000 people to this church over the years. And he offended every one of them with his life. <laughs> and I would, sometimes I would be with this guy, and not, not like with him, but we would be the same, because we were part of the same ministry for a while. But we went to this conference and the same thing. He, you know, he, my wife and I, we go in and we're like sort of sitting at, toward the back. And he, he goes running up front. He's putting his stuff everywhere in the front. He comes back and, come on, come on, let's go. Come on, we can sit right up front. I'm like, no, dude, no, no. He's like, you're, not, you're crazy, man. I'm going to be right up front. I'm going to get everything. I'm like, go for it. Just leave me alone, you know. <laughs> and... So my wife and I, we sit down back there. We're just chilling and, you know, people are coming by and saying hi. And he's down there, you know. <laughs> and he's kind of by himself because nobody's down there yet because it's like 
the first you know couple of rows they were usually pretty vacant. Well, what didn't take long, they went and had to tell him, "You need to move. This is reserved for." Because there were a lot of people coming in from all over the country, from ministers and things, and it was reserved for people that were <laughs> basically more important than him. <laughs> and, you know, uh, it, it embarrassed me for him. I don't think he was really embarrassed because people like that, they just don't quite get it. They never get embarrassed. They do, and they'll do the same thing <laughs> most of the time. It's like, wow, I don't believe it. But that, that thought of that passage of scripture when I when that happened you know the, the the spiritual laws of God that I'm talking about and this is a this is a big one if you can if you can if you can get this this one everything else will sort of fall into place you know and it works for every area of our lives you know if you apply it It'll apply, it works on your marriage, and your family, your work, your relationships. Now, you can choose to live in opposition to the spiritual laws of God, even once you become aware of them, can't you? Many do. But breaking these laws will really only break you. You know? There's a poem by a guy named John Bunyan. He says, He that is down need fear no fall. He that is low, no pride. He that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. I like that. The problem, I tell you last week with the new normals, and I'll tell you again a while ago, is that they just keep getting less normal to God. <laughs> further and further from God. And offensive frankly, to God. And in the church, you hear it all the time that the church has be, you know, had the same divorce rate in the church as in the world and all that. Well, I say that's the same divorce rate in those who attend church, maybe. But the real church is much smaller than you think, folks. And I'm not... Speaking that over the body of Christ, I love the body of Christ and all believers, and I don't care if they're looking through the window or dipping their toe in the water or they're sitting on the front row and full-blown uh, on fire for God. I love them all and welcome them all, and I'm going to tell the same truth to all of them. God knows those who are His, and what they need to hear is God's truth. You see? If it's offensive to them, then... You know, it's kind of like rubbing a cat. If it, if it rub you wrong, just turn them around and keep rubbing. It'll be all right. <laughs> they need to repent and agree with God because He can't change and be like us. That'd be silly. I wanted to make a, maybe a point or two about this, about these the craziness of the world and the new normals that they call it. Because I, I don't like that term because it's... It's not normal to me, and I'm not going to ever embrace it. I'm not going to. I'm going to try to be like Jesus. The more I, the light gets brighter and brighter on my path, and not more like the world. And that's what the entire church needs to be doing. And I think it's becoming more and more imperative, and more of a sense of urgency. As I still continue to get the nine one one, I pick up the my phone yesterday at the. Uh, 
rodeo committee in the uh, we're sitting out there waiting in the morning and it was nine uh, eleven of course and I went look at that <laughs> and they were like huh and I'm like oh you haven't read my book and so I sold two books right there but <laughs> I said so I think it's the last chapter in there. <laughs> No, I told them, I said, you don't have to buy it. No, I'm ordering it right now. I said, I'll give it to you. He <laughs> said, no, I'm ordering it. Anyway. <laughs> but I wanted, to <laughs> I wanted to make some obvious points from the Bible. Because uh, we really have gone a lot away from the things that God holds dear. And we need to, to think about it. And I, I really didn't want to make this point. But the Lord said, yeah. Run with these scriptures. So Ephesians five twenty four and twenty six. I just want you to think about this. I'm not making any casting any aspersions or judgments. I mean, if he talked to, if I'm saying it to you, he said it to me. To think about it. So it says, "Let the wives submit to their own husbands in everything." I'm reading from the Bible. That's all I'm doing. Huh? <laughs> then it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself. We know it, himself, his life, everything about him while he was living all the way unto death. Gave himself for it that he might sanctify, set, a, set it apart, set her apart, would cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. Do you know... I struggled so much with reading this to y'all that I almost put the second verse first just so I wouldn't say anything offensive to women first. I'd say the part about men. That's how much the culture has an effect even on preachers and so many give in to it. And because I almost switched the reverse, the order of them, I decided no. I'm not only going to do it like he wrote it, but I'm going to stop right there at that first part and just see if anybody throws anything at me. (laughs) He's a misogynist, you see. No, I'm not. And neither is God, I assure you. But how far have we gotten removed from that? And now listen. I, I, you know, I had someone at, uh, at the rodeo this week and I was, I, I'd seen something on Facebook in the last couple of years because we haven't seen each other in a while. And I knew that this uh, person had gotten married. And I was like, oh, hello, how are you? You know, how's, how's married life treating you? Oh, <laughs> okay, I guess. And I said, oh, man, I pray my wife never says that to anyone. <laughs> and they began to say, well, my spouse just, you know, doesn't want to, you know, just started complaining. Not what I thought. And just how this person just basically had not completed them, you know, I'm filling in the blanks here, like the thing, you know, or made them happy or fixed everything in their lives. And, and, uh, and I just, and this person is older than me. About time they got married, I've seen how they've acted out there for the last 20 years. And I, and I just stopped. I was just trying to get myself and get out the door. And I stopped. And, and there was other people in there. I said, what if I told you I had all the answers 
that you need for guaranteed 100% success. Really? I said, I sure do, and I walked out. Because <laughs> I do. I do. And if they want to know, they'll find out. All they have to do is ask. I wasn't going to do it right then. It was going to take too long. And so don't get me wrong. When I say things like this, I, I, I will definitely be having a long conversation with you about, about what this all looks like. The problem is everyone, you know, on one side looks at the scripture for the other side. And that this, they're not doing their part. If they do, then I would. You see? And God's saying, as long as you focus your judgment on them, my eyes are going to stay on you. That's, that's in the Bible, folks. He wants you to focus on you. And until you can say you're doing your part, you don't even need to be worried about their part. Doesn't mean you can't pray about it. I would rather Tavana fight with me and yell at me. Although I hate that. Don't get me wrong. We don't we don't we don't get into that. But we used to. But I'd rather she say spout off something sarcastic than go pray on me. Because if she's if she's sarcastic with me or something or disrespectful, then I know God's gonna get her, you see. But if she's submissive and just goes and prays, I, I immediately get convicted. And man, she's rewarded for that by God and me. Because then I try to do everything I can to make <laughs> it better, you see. <laughs> Let me go on. So, a wise woman is always learning. She's open to change. You know, there's so many scriptures in the Bible. It's about, oh, how I despise correction. And these are, these are people that didn't really end well, okay? God's saying it's much better if you embrace it. Embrace it. You know, I see people that are on fire for God and they're just doing everything they can to walk with God. And even if something just a little off in their lives and it kind of gets them, they're like, they're like, yes, yes, half the sermon. And then other times like, oh, yeah, amen, brother, amen. But they're still embracing it. I can tell. And the others are I'm like, others are like, you know, it's that look like, I knew this wasn't the right church for me. <laughs> a wise woman's always learning. She's open to change. She's ready to hear. How many times did Jesus... He was always talking to people that didn't have ears. I don't know why. And so he was looking for somebody in the crowd that had some. <laughs> Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. She pursues knowledge. She's striving to find God's perfect will in every area of her life. Listen, if you'll just do that, it's like standing up straight. My mama said, just, stand, just straighten up your back and everything else will fall into place. Because she didn't like this. You know? 
All you women are looking at me like, yeah. Right. I'm not finished. I did that on purpose. The man who sanctifies his wife understands that this is his divinely ordained responsibility. Your marriage is your first ministry. Hello. Is my wife, here's some questions for you men. Is my wife more like Christ because she's married to me? Or is she like Christ in spite of me? Has she shrunk from His likeness because of me? Do I sanctify her, set her apart, and help her to become holy or made unto God's use? Sanctified, set apart, and made holy, basically, is what that means. Do I sanctify her or hold her back? Is she a better woman because she's married to me? Because that is the goal. So, let's combine that with let, the, let your wives submit to their own husbands in everything. Oh, is my wife a better woman because she's married to me? Do I encourage her? Do I inspire her to be everything that God's created her to be and do everything to succeed in life? Or am I, do I think she's my property and just supposed to, you know, be barefoot and pregnant, you know, like they used to say? Because that ain't love. I want to pray so much for my wife. That God begins to show me the pages of the book He wrote for her and then help her to encourage her all along the way. Put wind in those sails and not take it out. I haven't always been the best at that, but that's what I want. That's what I see. I see the beauty of marriage and what it's all about. And this isn't a message about marriage. If you don't see this, this applies to every area of our lives. Every relationship in our lives. To ourselves. It's about servanthood and humility, putting others ahead of ourselves, you see? And the same for the wives. Yeah, you know. A man needs to be respected and encouraged. You know, you know why we're like have you ever noticed that men are like a cat? You know, they and they you ever get offended when a, your cat brings and puts that bird, that dead bird on your doorstep? You know, he's seeking your approval. He's showing off for you. I went and hunted this and I brought it to you. Look how wonderful I am. That's what we do. And we really need you to encourage us. I, you know, as far as physic, the physical needs and the, the sort of, that sort of building up, you know, this is the only relationship in the world that we get that from. And if it's withheld, you know what they say about little babies in orphanages that were that are never touched or held? I mean, they will die. <laughs> we as human beings are the same way. Male, female, I don't, you know. If I'm talking about one or the other, it's just, just reverse it, whatever. It's all about out-loving, out-serving, out-giving each other. If you make that the goal... <coughs> All the way to God, 
It's like the points of that triangle, you know, that pyramid. You start down here, and God's up here on the top. You're on each end. And the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. Amen. Or oh me. A godly marriage, a godly relationship, a godly friendship. The whole point is it has to be done on purpose. We have to actually... Go out and possess it. The violent shall take it by force. I used to wonder, what does that mean? I'll paint you a picture. Think of the woman with the issue of blood. For all those years, she suffered, spent all her money on doctors, and was in misery and agony. Couldn't even go in public legally. But when she heard about Jesus, she was determined. And she said, I'm... I'm, I'm going to touch him. And I'm going to get my healing. And so it was a sort of a violence that she had to put on. I mean, it wasn't she wasn't swinging a bat or anything. But she was doing spiritual warfare. And she was fighting the enemy. And she was going to get what God had to offer if it hair lift the post. I'm just trying to provoke my religious friends to thought. Just think about things. God bless the Pope. I hope he gets saved. I hope he is saved. I don't know. Have you ever heard Angelica's testimony on the internet? It's a woman from South America. She spent some time in heaven and the Lord showed her the other place too. And she saw some folks there. If you believe it, this is, you have to go look and re- see it yourself. It's, a, it's a, I don't know, half an hour or so. She tells all about it. And now she's a powerful evangelical minister down in South America. <laughs> Boy, you listen to that evangelical's testimony and uh, tell me what you think about it. Make up your own mind. Didn't come from the Word, so I can't say one way or the other. I did, it made quite an impact on me, though. I just don't want folks to be trapped into the wisdom of the world regarding the relationships. The world is wrong. And they're off course and they're getting further off course. And we need to be getting closer and closer to God. Amen? Amen. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. For He is faithful that promised. In this scripture, confession means to say the same as God says. Hmm? Say the same as God says. How many of you have scriptures in your refrigerator or just in your heart or whatever that you confess? It doesn't mean, I'm not talking about confessing our sins. I'm talking about confessing or saying again the same as God says. Repeating what he says. Confessing the word of God. Our words have to agree with what God says, what the Word of God says, the promises of God for every area of our lives. Because there's provision that's already on account for us for everything, isn't there? That's what the grace of God is. How many of you have been going to the women's Bible study? (laughs) I don't know how many weeks you've been doing it, but if uh, you've already got it, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
the grace of God has already been established. It's already there on account. And faith is that hand that reaches out and takes hold of the things that have already been provided by grace. And it's not just the forgiveness of our sins, is it? It's healing, it's prosperity, it's peace, love, and joy. It's everything good that Jesus died for on that cross. Hebrews 3, 1. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Remember, confession. Say the same as God says. So look at Hebrews 4.14. Since then we have a great high priest, we're talking about Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. He says it again. Except this time, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. He repeated the same thing again, but this time, I say Paul, but... Let's just say the writer of Hebrews, because we don't really know that it was Paul. (laughs) For for he is faithful that promised. You see, Jesus is our high priest. He sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and he is faithful. Amen. Amen. Okay. Our part is to confess or to say... What he has said or promised in his word. And then he is faithful. And or I would respectfully say even obligated to bring it to pass. Hmm? Yeah. All right now. All right. Yep. He just put a check mark here. I felt it. I mean, in a good way. Like, yes. And amen. amen yes. But we have to believe it. See? I'm, I'm, I have changed. So, I'm, as I've grown closer and closer to the Lord, I don't... When Messiah texted me, you know, when we started talking about what was happening to her, <coughs> we went through all that, and that's, that's fun. And the Lord, when she told me that she was completely healed of it all, I, I wasn't surprised, you see, of course I'm joyful, but I got joyful when I prayed and I'm just like, Lord, don't let her miss it. She was healed already. See, she just... And so I've already moved on to the next thing. You see, it's not that I'm not (laughs) jumping up and down. I already did that. But then I go back. I love to hear the praise reports because I can share them with others and it encourages and quickens their faith. I was out at the rodeo this week and someone was in pretty excruciating pain and and they were sitting there having a conversation with another committee man about taking some sort of a, you know, over-the-counter something or another or, or this other thing or drinking this thing and will it make me sleepy, this kind of... And I got, I got tired of listening to it and I said, why don't you just let me pray for that? <laughs> you know, God wants you well. Yeah, yes, well, okay, sure, thanks. And then I walked over there, and this person went, oh, well, <laughs> I, think, I think this person went to a Catholic school, and, you know, said, oh, well, when, when Sister So-and-so says he's going to pray for you, that means later on. I, I meant, I don't know. 
I said, what's wrong with right now? Would you like to feel better right now? Yeah. So, it was done. And I walked off and I was like this. And then yesterday, because this was the first, this was like Wednesday. Then yesterday, they're like sitting there with this other person. And the other person that was there, I mean, there were a bunch of people around, but there was one that was really watching, you know, and there said, pointed at me and I was like, what's up? And he says, oh yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to thank you and tell you your prayer worked. I haven't had any pain since. I said, I know. <laughs> Praise God. It's okay to give God the glory. Second Corinthians 5, 7. We're called to walk by faith, not by sight, right? So in, in the book of James, didn't he say, I'm almost dead, folks. I know you are. I really wanted to talk about something. I haven't gotten there yet. We, how are you on time? <laughs> James chapter 1, verse 6. Says, but let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So everything is ours, everything good. All the promises of God are yes and amen. All the grace of God has already been granted, is on deposit in your account. But then James says, if you doubt in your heart, you don't expect to receive anything. Why? It's just a spiritual tug of war. You can't agree with God, and then if He doesn't, Manifest the answer to that prayer by the time you get up off your knees, get on the phone and say, well, I'm so sick. Because then, one of the ones on Satan's team saying, wait, wait, we got legal right to get back in there. We just got tag teamed again. We're back in the, we're back in the wrestling match, you see. They just, one of your kids just gave us legal authority again. And then they get, they get back into faith. But I'm believing God. Okay, well, shoot. Okay, no, no demon goes over here again. Then they talk to somebody else. Oh, I feel so bad. Right, I'm back in the game, you see. And it's a spiritual tug of war. And he says, don't think you're going to get anything because you're double-minded. You need to be focused on God. Send your faith out to do a job. And don't let it rest until it accomplishes what you sent it out to do. And know and believe and trust in the faithfulness of God. So the only thing that can screw that up is you. If you screw it up, does that mean you're going to hell? No. I didn't say that. God mad at you now? No. He hasn't changed one thing about you. Still got your picture in his wallet. Huh? We're talking about closing all those devil doors. 
God loves you and He gives you all these instructions. Now they're not rules to earn a relationship with Him. They're promises of provision and protection against the one who does want to do you harm and will come in if you send out the invitation. Amen. 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 Let us hold fast. Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for He's faithful that promised. Why does it say without wavering? <coughs> because when things get tough the temptation to let go will come. Yeah. We're not unreasonable. Life is hard. That's why I tell you, you know, it's it's not all about goosebumps and the body, the corporate love you feel here, the prayer and the confidence you have here. I mean, I really think that most of you, along with me, felt like we just solved some things in the Ukraine this morning. I think that's how powerful we are. I mean, that's good. But, you know, most of your Christian life, you spend alone, folks. In the war, in the battle. And I want you to know that you have the same power and authority and provision and protection and promises and angels encamped around about you when you're by yourself as you do here. And there is nobody, God is no respecter of persons. And if you're religious, that you make the, you think that that means He doesn't respect anybody. No, what it means is the ground is level at the foot of the cross. He loves you as much as He loves anybody. Huh? And you do have authority. You are somebody. He loves you. And if you will just believe that and take up your true identity in Christ as a child of God, it will cause you to walk humbly. It's not because you're not confident. That's, that's false humility. Humbly, you know... It's just knowing that Jesus is standing right beside you. You know? It's just a confidence that it gives you. And listen, are you going to be ugly to somebody who who comes against you when you know Jesus is standing right there with you? Or you just go, oh, it's alright, honey. I, I'm going to pray for you. Because you see their lack. They need what you have. Huh? And it makes it easier to love them and pray for them. Amen. Amen. I think of it as like the those movies where, uh, since we're at the VFW, I always think of it. But I love uh, war movies and stuff. It's like, you know, most guys do the westerns and the, and the World War II movies and stuff. But there's always that guy and... Uh, he, he, they get in the foxhole and they they're under fire or they're behind a little little bit of a a trench or something like that and and there's that that old salty sergeant you know and he's got them all this stay where you're at stay put but there's that one guy right I mean they're they're under fire bullets are going over their head he's terrified and he gets so scared we got to get out of here sergeant he's like stay put boy and the sergeant looks the other way for a second and the guy gets up and just runs and gets shot right in the head. It's like, that's what, I mean, that pressure will do that. Fear will cause that sort of thing. And that's, I, I kind of, I, I, I just saw that silly example. But, but that's the thing. If we would just stay calm 
and have our confidence in our leader, our, our fearless leader, <laughs> we'll be safe. Amen. Don't bolt and run. Don't, don't turn and, and, and start saying what you see because then you'll have what you say. Yeah. Say what God says and you'll have that. Amen. That's the good stuff. Amen? Amen? Wow. I almost got to the message here. <laughs> but I'm going to leave it. And that way, I'll have somewhere to start next week. Amen? Amen. Did y'all get something out of this today? Alright, praise God. I love you. Right. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you for your truth that sets us free. Thank you, Lord, that we will abide and remain. Stay focused on your truth. Be discipled in it. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the truth that will set us free in every area of our lives. Help, Lord, help us to just embrace all of the aspects of our salvation, not just the forgiveness of our sins, but everything that's full of power and provision for this life so that we will be helped everywhere we hurt, healed, empowered, loved by you, and prospered, so that we can go and help others with that same help we have received. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. Help us, Lord, to embrace your truth. No matter what, how different it looks from what the world calls good or what the world calls normal, we are not going to ever call evil good. And even if we don't understand it, we're going to talk to you about the things that you've asked us to do that we may not quite understand and ask you to help us to grow in that and to have a better understanding of it so that we will just be confident to embrace it without fear, knowing that you are faithful. And we love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.